Hey everybody, it's Jenny Hanson Lane of Disarming Honesty Podcast. I just left a luncheon, and a, um, a nonprofit luncheon, and it got me really thinking about uh, the, the point of service and how service allows us to heal from our problems. So tune into this episode. You'll love it. You're listening to the Disarming Honesty Podcast with your host, Jenny Hanson Lane. Disarming Honesty plays two folds in our lives. It's at the crossroads of being honest with ourselves and creating a space for others to do the same through principles of emotional intelligence. Okay, you guys. So in 2014, I was a newlywed. I had just moved to Kentucky with my husband and we had just gotten pregnant. I guess we were both pregnant, right? That's what the husband will say. And um, we had been married like five months and we were driving to my husband's parents for Christmas and we were driving to Arkansas, it's a 10 hour drive. And we got hit, we got in a car accident and we were rear-ended on the freeway by a semi-truck. We probably should have died. But uh, there was foggy and overcast and it was bumper to bumper traffic and we had our hazards on so the person behind us could see that there was trouble and uh, my husband was getting into the right hand lane as traffic started to pick up and as we were veering and and lane changing a big 18 wheeler just hit us from behind and we spun out into the other side of traffic it flipped us around and we slid off the road and then another semi truck that was putting its brakes on like tapped on us. Um, We were fine there. And uh, we were really shaken up. And luckily like we just had tons of whiplash, no broken bones. And I was kind of freaking out because I was pregnant. Like I was thinking, is my baby alive? But it was, I was recently pregnant. You know, I was maybe like 18 or 20. I was so early that the doctor, they maybe ultrasound me in the ER, but they didn't seem super concerned. So I guess, I mean, it's fine. Um, anyway, so my husband was going through school. We lived on campus and we were just kind of like poor college kids and newlyweds. And so I had just moved to Kentucky. So I was still like ramping up my photography business. And, um, I had like a job in the math department and it was just like in the trenches, you know? And, um, so his car was totaled and, um, we didn't have a vehicle. So we were like, well, I have a Land Rover in Utah. I'll fly my husband there. We were trying to sell it, but flew him there and he drove it back. And my brother-in-law was like, that's not going to last. That car's not going to last. I'm like, yes, it is. Cause my husband's a magician. Anyways, my husband used to be a mechanic and, or used to work in a transmission shop. He'll correct me. Sorry. Sells in a transmission shop. So he drove it back. This car probably shouldn't have lasted, but it lasted us for four years. And there, there was um, a big movement in Kentucky in the 1970s when the refugees from the Congo, Kentucky started letting them in. And so today, uh, Kentucky, Lexington, Kentucky has one of the highest um, population of Congolese people in the United States. I think it's like the second or third. So there's a lot of people that came here during the first um, advancements of helping refugees get out of um, the trouble that they were in. And so we started doing like a lot of refugee work. Um, and there's a great nonprofit here in town. It's called uh, Kentucky Refugee Ministries, and it's lots of different churches that come together to do nonprofit for these people, dispersed families, um, women and children. And so we started um, doing apartment setups. And so what that basically is, is 
there there was a, a storage unit and everybody would donate items that they weren't going to use kind of like a goodwill or or thrift store and um, there was a list and I would go in and I would I would you know get eight silverware eight forks eight spoons eight cups eight knives anyways we would completely outfit these things and this is at the same time like our my husband was a college student and we're poor college students we're poor newlyweds and we're pregnant and we just don't have like tons of expendable income and um, our Land Rover is not running well like we have to fill it up with oil all the time it has like a short oil leak or something and and like this car is barely running and we're running around town um, getting mattresses from companies that are donating brand new mattresses and all these things and um, barely like enough money to refill a Land Rover's gas tank you know it's like why do we have a Land Rover for poor college students totally different story but we, we had a car accident so anyways um, but as we were preparing these homes for people, um, it just kind of really healed the idea that, that like this is a short season for us to be college students and to be newlyweds and to be um, struggling. And um, at the end of the apartment setup, it's usually just a day before these families fly into the airport. And so um, we would go to the airport and we would greet them. And I have to tell you that... Um, there was a big group of people waiting and, and I met a woman and she was um, she was one of the first refugees that was led into um, Lexington in the 70s and she was waiting for her sister and it just so happened to be uh, the sister that we made an apartment for and she was moving to um, Lexington and she was coming with five children and, and no husband and she had been in a refugee camp and she was pregnant and um, I, I get emotional about it because, um, so we're at the airport and the family comes down the escalators and you see her run into her sister's arms and they embrace and it's, it's so emotional because, I mean, can you imagine being apart from your family for 13 years and, you know, all of her kids are under the age of 13. So she's this, this aunt has never met her nieces and nephews and in those in those moments of reunion you're so humbled that like okay yeah maybe we almost died in a car accident or like maybe our car is not running that well or like maybe we don't have expendable income um but those experiences that that we have just to be present to what other people are going through is so huge in perspective and helping us see like okay there's more to life than um my small little problem or my very short season of life and as I've been working with refugees more I learned that like the average year that someone spends in a refugee camp is like 18 years and that is so mind-blowing to me and it's really kind of um, fueled my passion to do more to help people that uh, can't help themselves and I always think about um, for those of you that are Christians there's a lot of depictions of the Savior that he's lifting somebody up and he's always on higher ground to be able to do so and um, it's not it's okay to be struggling and to help other people but um, Russell Brunson of ClickFunnels he always says like just be one chapter ahead of people and I think about that for service like if I can just be in a position I was in a position to help refugees because I was one step ahead, you know, I had a little bit of resources, I had a vehicle and I had the time and I had the energy to put together these apartments and I could be at the airport and I could support them. And it was actually really interesting that as I did that, 
it multiplied my chapters of resources. And sometimes we think, oh, I can't help somebody or I don't have enough time or I don't have enough resources. But when you actually look outside yourself and you do it, your resources magnify, even in terms of emotional awareness and emotional capacity to help other people. And that's something that I hope that my kids, if they get anything out of like what type of mom I was, that they'll always remember that when you look outside yourself to serve, that it will multiply your capacity to do more good. And, um, that's something that, you know, photographing this luncheon today for this nonprofit really taught me that there were all these people that had just a couple chapters more than other people and were able to really magnify the the effects of these people's lives, but also their own. And that's true in business. I think as we have resources and we're just a couple steps ahead of someone else and we can able we can we can um influence them and tell them, you know, this not this might not work or this might work and save them steps and not let them fall behind in their their chapter or their book of life. And, um, that's probably my takeaway is that service hills and that, and, and that, um, everything, all your knowledge that you have is a form of service. So sharing that with somebody else allows them to level up. And I'm really grateful that I had those opportunities with refugees so that I can continue to do stuff like that to let them know that like they're, I mean, I know they're in a different place and there was a, um, there was a book I don't know if you guys have read this called This Is Marketing. It's Seth Godin's most recent book. He's published and best authored, I don't know, 40 or 50 books on marketing. And he was in India and he was he was trying to sell reading glasses to the community there. So they put up a table and they laid them out. And the first day they were kind of struggling with sales and they thought, this is so weird, like we're selling these for like a dollar. And um, then once Seth Godin started researching the psychology around cells for this type of people, he realized that like for some places in India, if, if they can't afford glasses because that's the same thing they're going to buy for groceries. And if they don't get groceries, they're homeless. And I had a huge moment of awakening or uh, clarity or acknowledgement that um, for me to become homeless, there is probably like 400 and 59 things that need to happen to me before I'm homeless. And um, you may hear people talk like that's white privilege or um, that's first world problems. But it was very humbling to me to recognize, you know, as I'm helping people, if I'm helping refugees come escape and, and, and get asylum, that um, many of them are, I mean, they're refugees. So what makes them different than being homeless that a lot of times there's not a lot of steps for them and scarcity is so real that they don't even have time to get ahead in chapters. And, um, one, you know, I told my husband, you know, sometimes I'm like, Oh, we need to hit a million dollars immediately. And then all of a sudden I remember that like, it will come in time, but also like there's hundreds and hundreds of things that, that would have to happen for me not to be in the place that I'm at. And that's truly just mind blowing, but also like, that calls me to serve. That calls me to give information to people to help enable them to create resources for themselves and for other people that they'll be able to um, serve and and be able to sustain that that lifestyle, that quality of lifestyle that they want. And um, that's that's my message today: is just you're called to serve, and there's something unique about you that as you serve, it will heal your little problems around you. And if it doesn't take them away, it will just give you clarity and empowerment to work towards them. And I always feel like those are the moments that really empower me to be better. Um, So 
Love you guys. Peace out.